Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello and thanks for having me. Today's topic, Big Trouble in Little China, the John Carpenter Kurt Russell cult masterpiece. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. This is a film that I've wanted to cover on the podcast for the longest time. It's a movie that I remember watching so many times growing up. I've lost track how many times I've seen this movie. How about yourself? When did you first watch this film? I'm glad you feel that way, Luke, because the feeling's mutual. I'm exactly the same. It's about time we recorded an episode dedicated to this because, like you say, it's a movie that has been a long time coming. And uh, to answer your question, uh, I basically, the first time I saw this, I must have been, I was a little boy. I was really young. I must have been something like between eight and 10 or maybe seven and 10. Um, so what year did it come out? It was 87 or six or eight. Yeah. 86. 86. So yeah, I would have been six years old. So, um, yeah, probably about a year or two later, I, I probably saw it when I was just a little bit older and that's my earliest memory of it. But I remember just being like, what is this? There's just so many layers to it, like an onion. And you just, <laughs> you yeah. kind of just you're kind of just enthralled in this labyrinth and it's hypnotic and you just go, what is this? And that's what I loved about it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where why do one genre when you can just do them all? Like how would yeah. you describe this movie? Such a mashup. Adventure, romance, horror, suspense, comedy. This movie, I've got it all. I mean, I was two when this film first came out. I reckon wow. like yourself, maybe I'd have been 10 yeah. And plus when it came out and it, it was a film that was on heavy rotation on TV. Like it seemed like yeah. the Saturday nine o'clock movie. There was a handful of films that were in rotation. This was one of them. Mm. The Birds with Tom Hanks. Yeah. And Tremors, the first Tremors film, those three and those films. I've, even to this day, I've got such a strong love for. But yes, absolutely. Big trouble. A little China, we're finally doing it. And, you know, thanks to, I think it was Boom Studios, this is a movie that did get a comic book and quite a few comics. They did the right. sequel comic, but then they also did a Old Man Jack comic. Nice, which is kind of like a riff on Old Man Logan, really. It is, it is. But, hey, it's Jack Burton. I'm not going to say yeah. no to more Jack It's Burton. old Jack Burton, you know. Jack Burton comes through with these little monologues. <laughs> I mean, Kurt Russell has played so many iconic characters over the year. Oh, yeah. Another one being Snake Plissken. Snake Plissken, yes. They did a crossover, a comic book that was a crossover between Jack Burton and Snake <laughs> Plissken. <laughs> so Kurt Russell meets Kurt Russell. And honestly, from memory, I'm pretty sure Jack Burton needs to go undercover as Snake. And where's the eye wow. patch? And the resemblance, wow. Penny. <laughs> that was in the comics. And that's in the comic. Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure that's, that happens that's in, genius. in the comic. Thought. That's awesome. Do you know what really drew me into this movie? 
this not just the fact that it was such a wild fantasy, but and a weird ass kind of labyrinth. But just the fact that when I was a little boy, when I was a kid, I used to love like just running around with a sword on my back, like a, like a plastic sword on my back, you know, like, you know, like He-Man or like ninjas or just something along those lines. And so when you see this scene in the movie, when you've got uh, Wang, his best friend, running around underground in the sewers with a sword strapped to his back, imagine my little nine or 10 year old mind lighting up going, I want to be that guy. I want to run around with a sword holster on my back and a sword. And it just really spoke to my kid brain, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, this film, it just works on so many, so many levels. Although the original screenplay by first time screenwriters, Gary Goldman and David Z. Weinstein was envisioned as a Western set in the 1880s. Screenwriter W.D. Richer was hired to rewrite the script extensively and modernize it. The student mm. hired John Carpenter to direct the film and rushed Big Trouble and Little China into production so that it would be released before a similar themed Eddie Murphy film, The Golden Child, which was slated to come out around the same time. The project fulfilled Carpenter's long-standing desire to make a martial arts film. The film was a commercial failure, grossing $11.1 million in North America, below its estimated 19 to $25 million budget. It received mixed reviews that left Carpenter disillusioned with Hollywood and influenced his decision to return to independent filmmaking it did gain a steady audience on home video and has become a cult classic. That's the kind That's of information. When we came to this film as kids, we yeah. didn't know or care about any of that. I was no. just watching this on TV. Wow, what a great film. But it's interesting yeah. all these years later to go back and find that theatrically. When it was first yeah. released, it was deemed I mean failure. Full disclosure, I, all those notes you just rattled off, I read as well in, in um, production, in, in the lead up to, you know, or in pre-production for this podcast. And it, that really baffled me too. Like, wow, I can't believe it was originally slated to be a Western. And then, you know, the, the, the new screenwriter comes in and says, no, I want to make this thing happen in like uh, in Chinatown in San Francisco. And I really want to modernize it. And I'll have everything happen subterraneously uh, underground and, and just make it a really weird kind of, you know, mashup kind of movie, like you say, where it just smashes so many genres together. Yeah, that was that was strange. So we've all seen the film, we know the plot, but it's it's quite it's quite basic, really. So I'll just do a quick run through. Jack Burton, a truck driver, gets dragged into the mysterious underworld beneath Chinatown, where he faces an ancient sorcerer named Lopan. Mm. That is that is the film. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, low pang you could make you can seriously start making like all these years later you could make uh, parallels to mortal combat low pang is basically shang sung and the three storms are basically raiden that's another thing that really spooked me out as a kid the three storms i was like holy crap this is awesome what you've just said there is correct well kind of correct you need to flip it this mm. came first then mortal yeah. combat so the comparisons yeah. are there but looking at it that way Lopan was the original. He came before Sun Kang yeah. and Shang Tsung and yeah. Raiden. They all came afterwards. But again, yeah, kid watching right. this, playing Mortal Kombat, watching this movie, as I'm watching Big Trouble, I'm like, yeah. hey, look, this guy is just like Raiden, like you said. Mm. But 
this film predates those characters. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I got, I got, so I got it wrong, like, or, you know, like history wise, timeline wise, but you can see what I, where I was going, you know, like. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, but that's why I thought it worth just pointing that out. Whereas just like you, I had the same thought watching this, you know, growing up. And mm. yeah, you do get a Mortal Kombat feel. Again, yeah. this film has got cult status now, but I, I feel like I just need to give this movie its props going back to yeah. when it first came out because yeah. the audience clearly the, the wasn't there point. for it. Yeah, of course. I mean, that alleyway scene with the gangs confronting each other and the three storms come down, as a kid, that terrified me. It was like, not to the point where I was traumatized, but to the point where I was like, what the crap is this? Like just those three dudes with the Raiden style hats and the, the weapons and they're, you know, doing their like martial arts gestures and the lightning. Um, I was just like, wow. And so you know, many, later- yeah. So many shocking moments. Like, yeah, when they come yeah. down, but then just the, that scene where they, they run over Lopan. Like it's always like the thud, the noise. You're like, ah, oh, you know, and they get out and they have a look and it was all a ruse. Jack gets blinded. But let's talk hmm. about Kurt Russell as Jack Burton. So he is a cocky, wisecracking truck driver who gets involved in an ancient battle between good and evil. So he's hmm. your everyman. And yeah. what is interesting looking back on it now, like you see Kurt Russell, you know, he's got the Hollywood looks, he's got the muscles, but he's not the most competent guy in this film. And if anything, no. he's, he's the sidekick. Kind of- like he, yeah, I mean, you think he oh he's the big macho guy he's going to come in and save everyone but when you get but to the Wang third, is the brains absolutely but when you get to the third act and he's being all heroic but first he's in the lift with Kim Cattrall they have a kiss so he's racing off into battle he's got lipstick on he's got the yeah. gun he's firing in the air the debris the knocking him out comes down, like, smacks him in the head yeah yeah so, I mean yeah. honestly things like that could be what maybe hurt this movie when it first came out because people could have got word of mouth like hey this is not what we think it's going to be but mm, it just mm. makes the character he's, Jack Burton just so interesting like he's yeah yeah because he's a bumbling buffoon he's he's he comes across as this bumbling buffoon but he's also serves as the the entry point for the viewer into the film he he is the viewer's way into the insanity of it unravels you know i've got a growing collection of pop vinyls i feel like many people do i I have stopped many times but then you'll come across (laughs) a character that you think oh i'll just add that one maybe i'll add one more but it all started for me with jack burton that was Mm. the first pop i ever bought my second pop lopan so they they were my first first talk about bringing things full circle Yes, yes. Yeah. It's interesting to know as well that although Russell was Carpenter's only choice for the lead role, the studio mm. suggested Jack Nicholson or Clint Eastwood. Once they proved <laughs> unavailable, Carpenter was able to cast Russell. I can't That's interesting. anybody else. I mean, great actors, Nicholson, Eastwood, of course. But totally, yeah. Russell is... It oh, can he nails do, it. It could do the action, it could do the comedy, and it gels so well for the character. Yeah. See, I, I couldn't imagine Eastwood, I think you said, doing doing it because he's just the strong, silent, stoic type. But I could probably see Nicholson doing it uh, just for the, the monologues in the truck at the start. As you can imagine, Nicholson rattling off in his trademark voice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got the voice. I, 
I don't know. I mean, as I mean, I was going to say, has Nicholson done anything, anything like this? And more so, no. I'm thinking Eastwood, and the only comedies I can think of, every which way but loose, and mm-hmm. the other one, every which way I can, or there's the sequel, but there's two movies that he made, comedies where mm-hmm. it's him and the orangutan. Yeah. I can't think of any of the comedy that Eastwood has ever done. No. Because, I mean, Kirk Russell, you know, lends himself more to visual comedy, more and visual humor, more. And he can be a serious, dramatic actor, but he's not afraid to to lampoon himself a bit and kind of, you know, make light of himself the way he does in this movie. We've got Kim Cattrall as Gracie Law, a lawyer who is Jack's love interest. I mean, Gracie Law, the lawyer. I mean, you know, it's a fun name, isn't it? It is. It also sounds very porno storyline. And... Kim Cattrall plays Academy for me. That's where I first saw her. She's in the first. Yes. She's the love interest of uh, Steve Gutenberg's character, Mahoney. Yes, that's right. Most people She's now. Amazing. Oh, she is. But most people now is going to say yep. Sex and the City. That's the go-to for her, isn't it? But for me, yeah. this movie plays Academy. She's amazing. She In this movie, she's so attractive in this movie too. And she just, she's great. She's, she's, she's a knockout in this movie. How I can't remember, but how long is it said that Lopan has been searching for a woman with green eyes? And then two it was quite come, some time. Yeah, and then two come across at once. So, <laughs> I mean, it still didn't work out for him, but that's not the whole mm. thing. That's why the girl is taken in the opening at the airport is because mm. she has green eyes. Again, like talking about, although this is many genres thrown into a blender. Yeah, yeah. But, is very straightforward. And I think, you know, that's why as a kid, you know, you're saying you'll be the martial arts and everything. And it's just, you know, there's so many things to enjoy mm. from like other mm. things, whether it's film, TV, comics or whatever, but the story is very easy to follow. And that's not yeah. a knock against it. It draws them. you in. Yeah. Like even, you know, I watched it I mean, again, lost track how many times I watched it just the other night to get prepared mm. for this. And yep. it doesn't lose any of its magic. And whether no, it I'm watching it as a kid or watching it as an adult, it just works yeah. every single time. I think it's one of those movies like, uh, and I know it's a weird comparison, comparison, but hear me out here. It's hypnotic the way The Shining is hypnotic. Um, the Shining to me was a very hypnotic movie. It lulls you into some sort of a trance while watching it. And I feel like um, this movie's has a similar effect like you especially when you're younger as a little kid uh, watching this you, it, it is very hypnotic and you, it is very trance like you get pulled into this world and it, it's just so otherworldly and weird and bizarre and you you kind of your young mind kind of buys into that when you get to the third act yeah the neon lit set like yeah looks, you know like Cirque du Soleil oh, that? something like that but it's like but you just accept it because that's what it looks like but it yeah, is it's like the big statues with all the hands yeah and yeah. Everything, it was the 80s everything was neon and it everything was neon yeah it, it looks like a film set but it's okay we're just you we're, don't care you, you oh, buy no. into it you're like you're like oh it's a secret underground layer and it has lots of neon going on cool I mean tone, oh, it's a film set. tonally you know what you're watching like, you know hmm. what the film has been up until that point. So when you get to that third act, you just completely, you go with it. Now, you've mentioned the character of Wang Chi already. Yep. He's played by Dennis Dunn. He's Jack's hmm. best friend, restaurant owner. So he's the guy whose fiance is kidnapped by Lopan yep. at the beginning. 
But he's yeah. the guy. He's the action star of this. He's film. the star. It's yeah. not Jack Burton. It's Wang Chi. He's got the martial arts. He's, you know, it's, he mm. is the main guy. So I can imagine. They're in. Yeah. Imagine back then, you know, hey, let's go watch Kurt Russell kick ass in this movie. <laughs> and all of a sudden, hey, who's this yeah, guy? Pulled up, really. And he's done. Yeah, but therein lies the movie's charm, I guess. Jackie Chan was Carpenter's first choice to play Wang Chi, but producer Lawrence Gordon was highly against it, fearing mm-hmm. Chan's English wasn't good enough after seeing oh, wow. his performances in Battle Creek Brawl in 1980 and The Protector in 1985. But Carpenter wanted Chan after the success of Police Story also in 85. Chan declined and Dennis Dunn was cast instead. If I'm honest, I don't know what else Dunn has done outside of this film but i th- i don't know like it'd be weird if it was i mean because jackie chan like he'd been successfully making movies before yeah. i mean of course he was like in the 80s 90s before rush hour and all the western action oh movies. yeah yeah he was a big name in, in singapore and hong kong but to look back now if it was chan it would i don't know it'd be a different experience if you look back on this and it'd been marketed as a you know kurt russell jackie chan movie so I'm sure Dennis Dunn has gone on to make other movies, successful movies. Um, I didn't look it up, unfortunately. But I know there's a charm about him in this film of me yeah. not knowing him. I'm not like watching this film yeah. and seeing a young Jackie Chan. Yeah, and that's that, that adds to the movie's charm, as you say. It's it's a diamond in the rough. You never you not you don't know what you're getting into, and. There's, there's something nice about that because it, as it un, as it unfurls and as it as it reveals itself and all its hidden layers and dimensions, you you're, you buy into it and, you, and you, you just accept it and you go along for the ride. Well, the opening of the movie, Wang owes Jack money, and he's like, "Double or nothing, I can do this trick. I've got the bottle, I've got the blade, and when he hits it and the bottle flies." You know, it's uh, it's alluding to what happens later on. It's all in the reflexes. Jack, mm. you see, in one of the opening scenes of the film, you see how quick Jack's reflexes are, which yeah. is genius because that's how he defeats Lopan. But yeah. the opening of the movie, it shows you. So we talked about how bumbling he is at times, but he does have his skills and his reflexes oh, yeah. are one of them. So that scene in the opening, it's cementing how quick his reflexes are. But at the yeah. same time, it doesn't make you think that Wang is the most capable. But then, of course, he is. And he goes on to be the action star of the film. So but I thought, you don't, I thought that opening scene was very interesting. Yeah, but you don't think about that as a kid. You're not aware of the subtleties, the you know, the subtle nuances. No, I mean, this is like watching it now and obviously coming back yeah. to this movie many times. Yeah. But again, like, what are the, you know, it's all in the reflexes. It's one of feel, the most famous lines from this film. It yeah. f- first demonstrates those reflexes. All in the reflexes. The film. That's right. James Hong as David Lopan. This mm. is a guy, I don't care what I'm watching, if he's in it, it just makes it better. This oh, guy dude, is up. excellent. He, he chews up scenery. He's awesome. You know, I think the most recent thing I watched that he's in, and it's animated, Batman Soul of the Dragon. That's right. the recent DC animated film where it was 
set in the 70s and he is in it playing yeah, like an older character, which it. I guess you'd, you'd mm. expect. But he's just got such a distinctive voice. Like, I didn't mm. know he was in it until I was watching the film. And straight mm. away, you hear him. Picked his voice. Oh, there he is. It is James Hong. Mm. And he's great, whether it's young, uh, supernatural, low pan, whether he's, you know, talking about things that freak you out as a kid, when he's rolled out in the wheelchair as the old man and Jack's oh, like, yeah. who, this guy? And then yeah. he's he opens his mouth and the light comes out and it's like you can see the light under his flesh, his skull's oh, lighting yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, mate, that used to creep me out as a kid. <laughs> That's what I mean. It has the creep factor. And that's John Carpenter for you. He he's knew how to do menacing, creeping stuff real good. Yeah. Always freaked me out, that scene. I'm right there with you. Victor Wong is Egg Shen, a sorcerer yeah. and old enemy of Lopan, who also drives a tour bus. So the, yeah. oh, the opening of this movie where he's talking to them about the supernatural, yeah, about magic, they're not believing him, and he's got the lightning between his two palms. Mm. What a great opening of this film. And I mentioned, you know, growing up watching Tremors, he's also in Tremors. He was he Raiden coins, before Raiden. Yes, yes. But in Tremors, he he's the one that coins the term graboids, I believe. Oh, wow. Oh, I thought yes. it was funny. I thought it was funny that scene at the start of the movie where he's driving along in his bus and he's lecturing everybody as to the sights and sounds of Chinatown. And along come Wang and Jack skidding around through that alleyway in that big truck. And they just about take him out and he goes bowling down the street in the wrong direction and the bus just about goes belly up. I thought that was funny. Yeah. You used to make me laugh. According to Carpenter, the opening of the film with Egg Shen in the lawyer's office was added at the request of 20th Century Fox executives in order to make Russell's character more heroic. They didn't like the idea of Jack being a sidekick rather than a hero. Without the added scene, the film would have started with Jack driving to San Francisco. So there you go. That added scene, it adds a bit of mystery around the character of Jack Burton with Shen being so protective. So I do like the opening is there so i see yeah. why the executives would have wanted that yeah it adds, it adds backstory as well and a back matter and stuff and it's almost as if you could cut two versions of the movie you could have easily cut two two releases one where it has the scene you just mentioned and another one where it, it it's the alternate opening with jack just driving along you could have easily made two versions of the movie with two different cuts like that We've talked about the character of Lightning already. We've got James Pax as Lightning, an elemental master who can shoot out bolts of lightning. Mm. Very cool. <laughs> very very, Aiden, very cool. as we've as we've said. Yep. Carter Wong as Thunder, an elemental master who can expand his body. When I was a kid, also, I, do you know what? As we're talking about, I'm realizing there's so many things from this movie that did freak me out. That as disturbed a kid. you out. That, that scene where he expands and he blows that, up. It, yeah, when Thunder finds out that Lopan is dead and he's just, he, oh man, he's, he's getting bigger, his face, his yeah. feet are bursting through his shoes, his hands, and then he explodes. Oh. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that creeped me out as a kid too. I was just like, how did that happen? How is this guy able to do that? And furthermore, why did he do that? So for me, Thunder and Lightning, 
do have mm. a lot of presence. But then mm. we've also got Peter Kwong as Rain, an elemental master mm. and martial art artist with a sword. But he's the one that has the little, it looks like metal back scratches, but then they start to spin. Yeah, that's right. I remember him for that, but it's the other two more so that I've always yeah, that, me as as I've watched it. Yeah, and the other two are a lot more menacing than, than he was. They they are a lot more intimidating, and uh, especially to a little kid. Yeah, so that's it. So I mean, they they have there's, more. There's that scene where they're escaping uh, toward the end there um, after Lopan's killed, and as they're escaping, uh, there's like a. Like they have to ab- abseil up through a recess or a hole that's made in the ceiling. And Jack's the last guy to go through. But as he's doing that, you've got lightning who comes along and he's like looking really intimidating and menacing. And he's walking down the hallway slowly towards him and he's firing off lightning left and right. And he's just looking really super badass. That always used to scare me that scene too. Cause I was like, Oh, he's, he's getting closer. He's going to get him. Oh no. It adds that suspense. The costumes look great in this whether it's the outfits that the brides are wearing at the end the look of lopan and the tank top worn by jack burton which i've got to be honest i do own a jack burton (laughs) tank top years and years ago i went to a fancy dress party as jack burton um also do you still have said tank top I do. It's in. It's packed away. It's not something I wear, but it also wore a mullet. I know he's not <laughs> I quite but like say, a. <laughs> a long I you mullet. Say, it's not something I'm proud of. I'm like, no, no, no I'm I've proud got of it. That. Yeah, no, of Ordinance. course, yeah, Ordinance. yeah, no, I've, I've got it. But I've got to be honest. Um, yeah, in this film, Russell he pulls off a tank top a lot better than than I do. But um, yeah, enough said about James too, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And um, the the special effects. You know, we talked about the neon lit. Um, yeah bad guy headquarters yeah but the martial arts like this is carpenter wanting to make a martial arts film and this is definitely a martial arts film. doing it yeah. for the film's many fight scenes carpenter worked with martial arts choreographer james lou who planned every scene in detail carpenter stated i used every cheap gag trampolines mm. wires reverse movements upside down sets it was much like photographing a dance. And you can see that used to, to full effect in the, the fight scene in the neon um, chamber there. The bit where you got Wang and I think it's Lightning facing off against each other. And they're jumping towards each other in the air and meeting and clashing swords midair and then landing on their feet as they land from their jumps. You can totally tell that was done with trampolines or wires or something. It's just it's so stupid when you look at that, that fight scene, when you look at it as an adult. But as yeah. a kid... You're like, whoa, cool. They're like clashing in the air and stuff. But that's well, it. You're, that's you're right, though. Man. Yeah, yeah. When they're propelling cheesy themselves as. into the air, it's clear. Yeah. That they it's are cheesy springing. as hell now. <laughs> they're springing. It's so... Yeah. They're not jumping from a hard surface. It's obvious when, yeah, when yeah. you're watching that now. And it's it's so cheesy now to look at that. And it's so hackneyed. And then you just kind of cringe and roll your eyes. But as a kid, you're like, wow. And it's still got that wow factor now, but you know how yeah. they did it, but it's it's got a charm to it because this is before mm. CGI heavy movies. And that's true. They had to be had to be practical. That's true. Production designer John J. Lloyd designed the elaborate underground sets and recreated Chinatown with three-story buildings, roads, streetlights, sewers, 
This was necessary for the staging of complicated special effects and kung fu fight sequences that would have been very hard to do on location. This forced the filmmaker to shoot the film in 15 weeks with a 25 million budget. So again, wow. they were restricted, but then, you know, we're, you know, talking about all the tricks that Carpenter implemented, well that's why that's why I had to do had to do that. Yeah. One of the more difficult effects was the floating eyeball, a spy for Lopan. It was powered by several puppeteers and dozens of cables to control its facial expressions. Oh, wow. Now, Again, pre-CGI, so that's impressive. And the score, just like almost, I mean, I want to say every Carpenter movie, John mm. Carpenter scored this film, like, you know, Halloween and all these yeah. films. I'm pretty sure all of them. I don't the think there's one film he's done, yeah, that he hasn't hasn't done. I mean, he's got a regular collaborator, Helen Harworth, and they'd mm-hmm. worked on Escape from New York, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, Christine, Prince of Darkness, They Live, and the list just goes on. So these guys have collaborated for a very, very long time. I do own this soundtrack. It is a great score. But we've True. also got the ending song, which is written and sung by the Coop Devils, a band formed by John Carpenter, Nick Castle, and Tommy Lee Wallace. Now, Wallace was the second unit director on this film, and I'm pretty wow. sure Nick Castle was Michael Myers in the first Halloween films. There you go. Talk about tight knit. I'm pretty sure, unless it's a different Nick Castle, but I'm sure that was the name mm. of the guy that um, that played Michael Myers, who was a friend of Carpenter's. I'm pretty sure that's. I was. That's I was that surprised is. to learn that. I was surprised actually to learn that Carpenter scored all his own films. But it's it's um it's interesting though that you, you mentioned that. I mean, I recently rewatched the the Fog, uh, as did you. I think I I rewatched it at your suggestion actually. Watched for the first time, I should say. I must correct myself. I watched it for the first time at your suggestion, and um. Yeah, he he scores that, and that's a very ominous and menacing score as well. So he really knows his stuff and how to how to sort of be menacing and ominous, especially because horror is his genre. I mean, outside of film, like he does tour as a musician, and he's yeah, got, and I didn't know that. And he's got non-related albums out, and I've listened that's to some of them. And when they did the new. Halloween films, so Halloween, Halloween Kills by Blumhouse. Mm. He does the soundtrack. It's him, I think his son, and one other person. But Carpenter is still involved, if not just the music of the new Halloween films, which obviously he started. Now, there's been talks, many talks over the years, of this film getting a sequel. What do you think? Well, the most traction that it had ever gotten was what was first talked about as being a remake. And Uh, they were talking of casting as Jack Burton, Dwayne Johnson. Get out of town. He's in everything. He's in everything. And I like his films. (laughs) I do. Don't get me wrong. I do like his films, but I wasn't quite sure about the idea of, I mean, we were talking about how bumbling Kurt Russell is as Jack Burton. That's the character. Yeah. I can't you imagine see... Dwayne yeah. doing that big muscle-bound Dwayne Johnson. Big dude being that awkward. 
what started off as being talked about as a remake then quickly got turned around and it was talked about as being a sequel. Mm. So I don't know if that meant him still playing Jack Burton mm. or if it's a sequel that's set in the world of Big Trouble Little China and maybe Kurt Russell gets a cameo. Well, I think For maybe me, the comic books... The comic books obviously have have, like, have the most traction. Then yeah, the comic books yeah. have the yeah. Say, the thing that for me, I probably don't need it. But I mentioned the comic, no. Old Man Jack. Yeah, but Russell's the right age. We don't need Dwayne Johnson for this. He's busy. Yeah, he's, let's just bring back Kirk. He's Black Adam. He's he's everything. All these other films. He's star I mean, his films. He's freaking crypto. You yeah, know, for crap's sake. So the super dog. On TV, he's got his show Young Rock, which is Young Rock, yeah. by the way. I, I get from that now what I used to get from the Goldbergs before I stopped huh. watching it. It's a really fun, nostalgia-filled sitcom. So that's good. So, you know, he's he's starring in film, starring in TV. Yeah. He's producing film. He's producing TV. Like the guy is he's probably busy. producing his own rap albums. <laughs> he's just he's doing it all. So I honestly yeah, think outside of comics collectibles that big trouble on little china it will just be this film it's all it will be yeah. which is unless, more than enough and i'm happy with that i'm happy with that yeah me too unless, unless as you say russell reprises the role as old man jack then okay well you know let's talk but until then now nah, let's leave it as is that would be interesting old man jack i think it would be cool yeah i mean the wolverine film just used logan they didn't use Old Man Logan, so yeah. the name is out there for them to use on film. Old Man Jack. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that. Sure. Oh, me too. <laughs> We've talked me into it. <laughs> so this film, then, if you're going to rate it out of five, you already know the answer, my friend. I think I do. It's a five. <laughs> it's a five. It's a five. Everyone out there listening, it is a five. And why? I'll tell you why. Because this thing referenced, not referenced, sorry, but inspired everything that was to follow. You know, uh, Mortal Kombat, as we have said earlier, wouldn't have existed if it weren't for this film. And I'm going to go out there and even say that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles took some inspiration from this film. And I'll, I'll tell you why. There's a very, very tiny, subtle scene that I think influenced the look of Bebop, the character from the Turtles. So the scene where the, the girls get kidnapped from the airport one of the gangsters who kidnaps him is wearing very these shades that are very thin. They have thin little slits over the eyes, and then they look very similar to the, the shades, the pink shades that Bebop the Warthog wears. So even even the turtles visually take their cues from a movie like Big Trouble in Little China, little references and subtle nods and winks like that. So and it's, it's such a beloved and adored movie, but clearly by both of us, and I'm sure legions more. Um, and it's, it's got a charm. It's got a charm and a whimsy to it. It's got layers. Uh, as we said, it's got nostalgia. It's got everything a little kid would be totally drawn in by and would want to see. And just enough like horror elements to, to leave you, you know, in suspense going, wow, what the hell, you know, what am I watching? What am I watching? So uh, how can you not be impressed by that? And even as an adult, even watching it as an adult and seeing it with an adult kind of pair of eyes and going, okay, these effects are a little bit cheesy, but I can still, buy into the charm of them all these years later so yeah hard five out of five for me for sure for everything that we've said already five out of five absolutely love this film and that will never change it is 
it is such a fun film, full of interesting visuals, gags, stunts. It's got its own mythology. It is, it is great. I absolutely love this film. And that's why I said before, you know, to finally get to review it, I'm so glad that we just spent this time talking about one of my favourite films of all time. From the sounds of it, one of your favourites also. Absolutely. Well, that's it for our episode all about Big Trouble in Little China. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, never a chore. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.